Exodus 23, 23-25. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee into, unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and He shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sicknesses, sickness away from the midst of thee. Skip down to verse 32. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if, if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. So we're going to stop right there. We talked last week, and we're going to continue this week and possibly next week as well. Uh, the Lord just was speaking to, to me about, about compromise. We're living in a day and such compromise. This would be kind of a follow-up to last week's message, although it's its own message today. But the Lord has given the children of Israel warning. This is an exodus. They haven't even wandered through the wilderness yet. Okay? But they, they think they're going to march right on over there in a few weeks and be in. And He's given their, their instructions. I'm going to drive the enemy out before you. Don't make any covenants with them, their people. There's a few things that are very explicit. You should utterly destroy them. Their gods, little g, should not be in your land. Okay? And, and He says in verse 33, let's read that again, they shall not dwell in My land, lest they make thee sin against Me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. You know what a snare is? I know that most of you know that's a Bible word we read about, but it actually means a trap or a noose or a hook to catch animals. Okay? A snare is a trap, a noose, or a hook to catch animals. I would figure they would be unsuspecting and they're caught in a snare. Maybe it's camouflaged by some leaves or something like that. And it's... The Lord says it will surely be a snare to you. If you don't do what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to drive them out. I'll take care of all those enemies that are before you. But they're an idolatrous people. They serve other gods. And you can make no covenant with them. There can be no uh, mixture or blending with them at all. It will surely be a snare to you if you don't do what I'm telling you to do. So He's, he's doing that for their good, Right? For their protection. There's so many things in the Word of God. He tells us to do it. And we can say, well, why do I have to do it? Well, because He's God. and he, He's the Lord. He tells us and we are to obey Him. Which is enough reason right there. He's God and I'm not. But also, uh, so many of these things, if not all of them, are for, for our blessings. You understand what I'm saying? That God gives us commandment. Uh, through the Ten Commandments or whatever it may be. It's, it's for His glory, but it's also that things will go well for you, right? And go well for me. We need to keep that in mind. He knows how men are to live. He knows how to, to, for men to live a blessed life and what is the blessed life. But let's, I just want to talk about this. We're keeping in mind the idea of compromise. And Christian compromise in our day. Uh, partial obedience is not obedience. That's one of the things I gather from that. When He says you shall utterly destroy... The Hittites, the Hivites, and all of them. Uh, partial obedience is not obedience. So in your own life and my life, partial obedience 
is not obedience. Either I'm going to obey the Lord, I'm not going to obey the Lord. But picking and choosing which things I want to obey or when it's convenient, we just assume not obey. It, d- it doesn't work that way. It wouldn't work that way in the military. It wouldn't work that way in, you know, as a police officer. It wouldn't work that way uh, in any other area of life. Partial obedience is not obedience. Partial victory is not victory. If the, if the, if the Israelites had, would go into the land and take parts of it that they liked, and maybe not some other areas of the promised land, that's not victory. That's not victory like the Lord intends for victory to be. Partial victory is not what our Lord has called us as His people. And I'm going to relate all this to New Testament believers. It's not what the Lord has called us to. It's not what He has intended for those that He has redeemed. He didn't save you and me from sin to live like we're still halfway in sin. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't hang it down on a cross and God sent His only Son, the eternal Son, slain from the foundation of the world. He didn't offer that in reality about 2,000 years ago in fulfillment of prophecies to be the Savior of the world so that you have a people that are washed in the blood of Jesus and live like they're not. That's not what He, he did. That's not what He intends. You know it's not what He intends and I know it's not what He intends. I'll tell you the danger of partial victory or partial obedience it leaves an open door for an enemy. Because if I didn't totally defeat the enemy, I left there's some part there where he's still present. Partial obedience and partial victory leaves an open door for our en- enemy to enter in and defeat, defeat us. Okay, so you can relate this to military and we're all relating it all back to our walk with Jesus Christ. Why is that? Why is partial victory not victory? Why is partial victory uh, an open door for defeat? Because there's some area, and let's, let's look at it in our lives, there's some area in our life that is, if we're only walking in partial victory or partial obedience to Christ, there's some area of our life that has not been brought fully, and that's the key word, fully under the authority of Jesus Christ. There's some area of our life that's what we want it to be still. Or, or in rebellion to the authority of Christ. There's some area... Might be little, okay? But if there's some area of our life that has not not been brought fully under the authority of Christ, then that is a springboard or an open door for ultimate defeat in our lives. So we're going to talk about this this morning. Jesus said this, and you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 14, this was getting close to when He was going to go to the cross. He was given some last... uh, ministry and words to his disciples. And he said in John 14, 30, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, that's Satan, the prince of this world cometh and hath what? Nothing in me. That's an incredible thought. It's an incredible scripture. I don't think anybody else could say that. Okay? I mean, really say it, and I would say, I I don't think he's got anything in me, but... But for the Lord to say it and He meant it and it was absolute fact, the prince of this world cometh and has nothing in me. I've always always likened it to He doesn't have any hooks in me. He doesn't have any little places to say, you know what, Randy's doing pretty good with the Lord. I'll let him do his thing. I'm talking about Satan here. But anytime I want to get him, I know he's got this pride and I can yank him down, put his face in the dirt. You know what I'm saying? In the mud. 
I can hook him every time with this. I can hook him with lust. I can hook him with uh, laziness. I can hook him with uh, prayerlessness. I can get him this greed. He doesn't want to give up his money. If there's anything like that in my life, then Satan will take advantage of it. Absolutely. Not maybe. He will take advantage of it. And the difference in our Lord, and that's why we need to decrease and He needs to increase. It needs not I, but Christ that lives in me, right? Because the prince of this world cometh, Jesus said, and had nothing in me. That means to me, he's got Jesus had no sin. He had no relationship with the devil. He had no area of his life which was not brought into complete uh, subjection to his father and his father's will. None. No area. 100%. From birth to death, through thoughts, emotions, you know, everything. Everything was in total authority. I only do the things I see my father doing. I only say the things I hear my father saying. I do always those things that please him. You could find other scriptures as well and say, well, he's God. He can do that. Well, that is true, but it is a fact about him. And that needs to be a fact about my life and your life. That as far as I can see, that's why we examine ourselves. That's why we pray. That's why we walk closely to the Lord. He can show us, you know. Uh, Randy, there's this little area here. You kind of kicked it under the rug for a long time, but you better watch that. That needs to be brought to me. That needs to be under the blood. That needs to be dealt with. Don't pretend like it's not that bad. Don't kick it under the rug for the 10,000th time. Deal with it. My blood is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My Holy Spirit to give you strength to overcome it today, tomorrow, and the next day is sufficient. But you cannot let it stay there. Israelites going into Canaan, right? Utterly destroy them. Jesus had nothing. Satan had nothing in Jesus. He had no hooks. I can get him with this. You know, you see a a puppet, right? I've never done a puppet, but like the the little strings. And the, the guy who's running the puppet can make the arm lift up or whatever, the leg lift up. And when he wants to twitch it, the puppet's not in control. The, the guy who's running it is in control. And we can't have any place in our lives that's not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He'll show you. You might already know this morning, but He'll show you even through this message or He'll show us as we pray and seek Him. You might already know, bing, a big light bulb came on. He said, I know exactly what's not under the authority of Christ. He's been dealing with me about it. Let Him deal with you about it. He's kind. He's loving kindness. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's powerful. He can help you. You don't have to live it that way any longer. It will be a snare to you. It will be a snare to me as well if we let it stay. But I think about Jesus when He said, the prince this world cometh had nothing in me. And I thought, what victory that must be. You seriously think about it. You and I are tempted by things and sometimes we sin and we do it. Or we really struggle to not do it. And we disappoint ourselves and we know we, we let the Lord down and we're grieved by it and we ask God to forgive us. But what a victory and what a, what a peace to really live that way. I'm really devoted to Christ. In this area, this area, this area. You, you name it. You know, really to be devoted fully to Christ. And it brings a peace to our heart. There's a lot of outward turmoil, but it takes care of the inward turmoil, doesn't it? You know, people use words that like they're conflicted or this or that and all these kind of strange words. But the fact of the matter is it brings an inward peace. God and I are good. 
There was a coronavirus virus, but the Lord and I are good. People are suffering financially because of the coronavirus, but God and I are good. There's nothing here. There's nothing got in me that's that's a hindrance between me and my God in our relationship. And that's where we want to be, y'all. This world is not our home. It's going to have things like this. Coronavirus and it may be worse, you know, but but we can be right with the Lord like we never thought we could be. It's possible. It really is wonderful. And I'm striving to be there. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm, I'm striving for the same thing that you are. But let's look at another passage in Exodus. Turn to chapter 34. Exodus 34. And let's read 11 through 16. It's very similar to what we read. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I, I drive out before thee the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, and break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt, not wor- thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God." Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go whoring after, and go whoring after their gods, and sacrifice unto their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of their sacrifice, and thou shalt take of thy daughters, of, of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go whoring after their gods. And it seems, it, it seems extreme almost. But you know what? It's supposed to be extreme. We're living in such a day of compromise, like I said, where things are, they're not black and white, where things are a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit, everything in moderation kind of thing. Uh, you know, we can learn from the Hindu, we can learn from the Muslims, they have some good traits, and all these kind of things blended in together. And I will say this that in some areas of life, compromise is good. If you're repainting your house, you can compromise with your spouse about the color. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to say, we're going to eat today, or you just want to pick something up, whatever. I really want barbecue. Well, I really want Chinese, whatever. I don't, but uh, I don't eat Chinese. But uh, you can compromise on stuff like that. That's not what we're talking about. We, we do have to be severe. We do have to be... Uh, drastic when it comes to our service to the Lord, our commitment to Christ, our faith in Christ, all of it. And Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. That seems foreign in this day and age. We're, we're more mature than that. We're more civilized, I guess you would say. We're, we're, we're not going to argue with anybody. We're not going to say you're right and you're wrong. We're just going to sit around and we'll facilitate this thing, right? will facilitate and will come to some happy medium. That might work in a lot of things. You're trying to work out a budget for a city or a local government or something. Fine, you have to give and take, right? There are things like that, but not when it comes to God. This is what he's teaching us. We only read two passages. They're both talking about utterly destroying the inhabitants of the land. It's not just saying that that uh, go in and... and Put them under under your authority. He's saying utterly destroy them. 
And again, that seems severe and it seems harsh, but it's really a difference between obedience to Christ and not. It's really a difference between functioning and living and making choices and obeying what the Lord says in His great wisdom and what's His will as opposed to doing what I think is best. And don't we do that sometimes as believers? I'm Christian, I'm saved, but in this area, in this relationship with coworker, in this whatever it may be, I know God's Word says this, but, and we kind of hedge it a little bit, that's a little much. It's a little much. We might not say those words, but that's what we're reasoning in our minds. A little over the top. So we're telling God it's a little over the top. It's a little severe. It's a little too much. Uh, and and it, it's going to result in that partial victory, which spells out defeat, or it's going to result in the blessings of the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? The, the power of the Lord, the life that He has already put His blessing upon, that He has endorsed, so to speak, that He has promised, that He blesses, He says in the Scriptures. And so, we, we, can, we can as believers use a mixture of the Lord and the Word of God and human reasoning. And there's, no, there's not to be a blending of that in the sense of, if I don't know and it's not specifically spelled in, in God's Word, that's one thing. I go to Him in prayer. He leads me. Okay? He's a good shepherd he's, and He leads us and we hear His voice. But if something's explicitly uh, written out in His Word and spoken to us, it's not up for debate. It's not for debate. Like, God's Word says this. I'm a Christian and I really think this. It's close to what God says, but it's not exactly the same. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do a little blending of it's not horrible, but it's not exactly what God says. There's no place for that, y'all. There's no place for that. And we looked at Israel. And I do want to say this. Israel had, they were earthly people. They still are. God, they have promises that God's going to redeem surviving Israel. He's going to set up His kingdom there in, in Jerusalem in the end times. But there were earthly people with earthly blessings, an earthly land, right? They had a, a physical promised land with borders. They had earthly weapons and so forth. And born-again people, people under the new covenant of Jesus Christ, that would be a combination of Jews and Gentiles that are washed in the blood of Jesus, we have spiritual promises. There's not a Christian land on the globe somewhere. Let's all move to the United States. Let's all move to Australia. That's, that's the promised land. You understand my point. And we don't have uh, physical enemies. We have spiritual enemies. We have spiritual warfare. And so our, our warfare is no less real. Sometimes think, think, well, when Israel fought Goliath, okay, David fought Goliath or the Philistines or whatever, that was real. The battles we fight are spiritual, but they're not real. That's, that's totally incorrect. We don't fight a physical enemy, but the enemy is just as real. It's just of a spiritual nature. And so, we, we, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're, but they're mighty through God. And so, we, we, we have no place, y'all, to, to, to compromise. Like the Israelites were to put the enemy out completely and utterly. We are to do the same thing. And uh, I want to read back in the, the, the passage we just read in Exodus 34. Just look at verse 15 again. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods and sacrifice 
unto their gods, and one called thee, and thou eat of their sacrifice. This, this, is, uh, this is why the Lord is saying that we need to be separated. That when, when He tells us in His Word, in, in Corinthians about, uh, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. It's not just that we're to be arrogant. It's not just that we're to, we think we're better than people that don't know Christ. A separation in life. Morally, spiritually, I say it all the time, you might be elbows to elbows with people at the plant or in the office or in your school or in the grocery store that don't know the Lord. They might be idolaters. They might be Satanists for all we know. They might not be. But you you're physically can be close to people that don't know Christ, but in our hearts and minds, in our affections, in our practice, in our devotion, we are to be more miles and miles apart from where they are. Does that make sense? So that's the type of separation. They're, mark, they're listening to what they want to listen, and listen to. They're doing and obeying what they want to listen to and obey. What makes them happy, probably. And we are listening to the Lord. We've got one voice we're listening to. Not three or four or five. I've got one voice that I'm listening to. And we walk with the Lord. And it, it's, it's a question of, of compromise. And y'all, there's no place for compromise when it comes to spiritual things, there's just not. There's not a place for compromise. The Lord does not allow that in the Word of God. I've said Old Testament or New Testament, wherever you find it, I mean, you won't find the admonition for the people of God to compromise. Everything is about separating ourselves unto the Lord, okay? And we know that, and the blessings come upon that, y'all. And the Bible says that we're, we're married to Christ. I mean, Paul says, I've espoused you. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy to the, the church at Corinth. For I have espoused you unto one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. You're, you're Christ now. In other words, you're His possession. You belong to Him. There's this relationship between you and me. And it's not, nobody's going to, oh, in their right mind, is going to share their spouse with another person you know what i'm saying we we're we're devoted to the lord he's faithful to us and we're to be faithful to him okay uh and i I just thank the lord that he can strengthen us to do that the bible tells us that no man we mentioned this scripture last week no man can serve two masters right jesus said that he doesn't say it's difficult to do it he says no man can you cannot you cannot serve God, and in this case, it was God in riches or wealth. You cannot. Not it's hard. Not it's difficult. Give it your best shot. Maybe you can figure out some way to do it. He's telling you, you can't serve me and something else. I don't care what that something else is. You can't serve God and your job. You can't serve God and your family in the sense of being totally uh, devoted to your spouse more than God, if that makes sense. What if your spouse is not wanting to do what the Lord wants to do? I'm just saying, I don't think we have that problem here, praise God. But what if you had a, you're, you're wanting to serve God with all your heart and your spouse is not? What do you do? You serve God. You pray for that spouse and you reach out to him and you fast and pray and you live a godly example and you do whatever you can do. But you don't say, okay, well, I'm going to compromise the Lord, what I know to be true from His Word, in order to 
pacify my spouse. You got problems right there. Guess what? Both of those relationships are going to be shot. Not just the one with the Lord, which is the most important, but it's going to affect your relationship with your spouse. And it's not going to be what it... God's the one that gave marriage in the first place. You think He knows how to bless it and make it what it's supposed to be? He does. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot. Uh, Jesus, uh, James says, and I quoted this last week, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whosoever will be a friend with the world is the enemy of God. Again, it seems extreme. I didn't make it up. I didn't invent it. The Lord says that in His Word. Right? Talking about compromise. The Israelites couldn't compromise when they went to the Promised Land. He had, they had an edict. They had a command. A directive from the Lord. And He, he told them why. Okay? For His glory and for, for your well-being and your children and descendants down the line. It's going to be a snare. Who wants to get caught in a snare? No animal steps out today and wanted to be caught in a snare and be on a dinner plate of some you know, trapper by tonight. Uh, we don't want to be a, a, a fall into a snare and God keeps us from it. So it's a deadly trap when we begin to compromise. You've heard it said, you know, slippery slope when you start down this way. We've seen it in society, right? You know, 30 years, 40, 50 years ago where something that would have been uh, totally rejected in the public arena was accepted a little bit, a little bit, and then we see where we are now. You know what I mean? It's a slippery slope. It doesn't just get better. Well, I think it'll get better. It'll turn around. If God doesn't turn around, it doesn't turn around. You begin to compromise and you never repent and get that right. It doesn't get better. It doesn't stay the same. It gets worse. It's just the nature. We're in a spiritual conflict. It's a spiritual warfare that's going on. Partial separation uh, unto the Lord from what He tells us to totally separate from. Partial victory uh, and partial obedience. When we begin to deal with sins in our lives, only partially, and we allow some to remain. When you and I begin to partially obey, thus saith the Lord, it's a dangerous thing. We opened last week with the Scripture from 1 Corinthians about know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven. A little leaven, leaven was representative of sin. A little leaven. He doesn't say sin like the Sodom and Gomorrah on that level. He says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers. The Corinthians were saved. He didn't preach. have to preach the Gospel to them again. He had to tell them how to live as believers. And he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. God said it would be a snare. Okay, a snare to make a covenant with the enemies of Christ. To make allowances, same for us, and concessions to carnality, to sins, to certain sins in our lives. It doesn't stay where it is. I'm going to tell you the truth. It does not. The sin that you and I allow in our lives as believers, we allow it to stay. Uh, The carnality, being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, that's a big one, isn't it? Being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, it has consequences. You cannot control it. It is a spiritual force. This is something spiritual. 
It's not just you and your buddy or you and your girlfriend or your boyfriend. It is, it is something, there's something spiritual behind it. The Lord tells us a spiritual nature to this warfare I want you to know about, He's telling us. And you have to do what I'm saying in order to win that. We have the victory in Christ, but in order to, I'm talking about walking out day to day, that kind of victory, okay? I'll say this, when we allow uh, a relationship, a compromise, a sin, we allow it in our life. I'm not saying sometimes we don't struggle with sin, we do. I'm saying when you allow it, it's there, you know it's there, and to be honest, you're honest with yourself, you're not really dealing with it. You've learned to live with it, okay? That's what I'm talking about. You cannot control it. It will control you. Well, I'm kind of keeping it under wraps. I'm keeping it down. It won't behave itself. It could be fear. It could be uh, worldliness. It could be, well, it could be whatever. But it won't behave itself. That little sin or compromise. It won't stay put in the little corner of your life where you want it to. It's not going to do that. It's not going to behave itself. Okay. It it seeks dominion over your life, and it must be utterly destroyed. Again, compromise on the paint color, compromise on the budget, compromise on where you eat supper. You cannot, and we have no right to compromise the Lord. It's not even my prerogative. It's not even my right to compromise Jesus Christ or what He's told me to be. Is He my Lord or is He not my Lord? If He's my Lord, then it's yes, Lord. Right? It's yes, Lord. I want to read a couple of Scriptures uh, that we, we read before, but I'm going, to, I'm going to read it again. Thou shalt not bow it out of their gods. This is the first passage in Exodus 23. Nor serve them. You shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. Okay? Again, he says, lest they, they'll cause you to sin against me. What are we saying? They have to be utterly overthrown. Things in your life have to be utterly overthrown. So that what, what, what we're given, it's a blessing really to have Israel. Israel's a blessing for a lot of reasons. But that physical people that we can go back and read about, that's still in existence today, all right? To see how God dealt with them, to see how they served God, how they failed to serve God, how when they kept His commandments, they were blessed. When they failed to keep His commandments, they were cursed. But even in the midst of that, if, the, if and when they would repent, He would always be merciful. But what He would say would come to pass, right? Because He's God. And so we have that in the spiritual sense that, hey, he knows what he, the Lord knows what He's talking about. I'm just going to trust Him. I'm just going to trust Him. I might just got saved last week. And i got a big decision to make. I'm just going to trust God. He says in His Word to do this. I know enough to trust God. I know enough to do what He says. And the Lord is always going uh, to bless that. We're going to find that's where the victory, by the power of His Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, those things where we've compromised, those little, little sins that we've allowed, cohabitation in our lives, God wants to deal with it. He can deal with it. He can utterly rid us of it. But we need to go to Him and believe Him too. You know, not, not partial and not a portion. Not a portion of the world and a portion of Christ, but all of it surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I just want to talk about this um, real quickly. How when in, in uh, Moses' day, when they were about to take the, the promised land, he didn't actually go in. 
We just talked about this Wednesday. There were two places, and probably more than that, but the two, when they fought against the Amorites, uh, Sihon and Og, the two kings of the of the, uh, the kingdoms on this side of the Jordan before they got into the promised land. Now, just to tell you how good Israel did. It says, so they smote him. This is Og, king of Bashan, and his sons and all the people until there was none left him alive and they possessed the land. It's a simple little verse, right? But it says they, they killed the king. They killed all the people. They killed all that pertained to him because God had said that before. And they left none of them alive. And then Israel possessed the land. So at least in that moment, let's just look at that one battle. They did everything they were supposed to do. There was no hidden enemies about to pop up six months later, six weeks later. You know, and hey, come over here and look. Y'all worship Jehovah there. Over there, come see what this is like. You know, you can, you can bring this into your Jehovah worship. Try some of this over there. There was none of that. Because they had totally put the enemy down. And they totally possessed the land. That's just a picture of how it should be. But Israel did not practice this as a pattern. And just for time's sake, I want to mention this. God had promised Israel, the Israelites, before they went in, uh, total conquest of the Canaanites. Right? Total conquest. I'll drive them out before you if you will believe me and obey me. They fell short of it. Joshua did his best. A lot of them, Caleb, they did their best. But as a whole, I just want to read this. I thought this was interesting. Benjamin could not drive out the Jebusites, so they dwelt together. Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean, but they put them to tribute. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Neither did Zebulon drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. From one tribe to the next, we see a failure to utterly put them out. All of them had a measure of victory, but it was partial. And I just think it's interesting we have such an earthly example of a spiritual truth. The best that can be said of the Israelites was that those that they didn't drive out or they didn't drive out or, or defeat totally, they put them to tribute. You know what that means? We'll make them our slaves. We'll make them chop wood. That's what the Bible says. We'll make them hollow, fetch the water from the river, bring it up to our houses and wells for us. We'll make them do the stuff we don't want to do. We couldn't, we weren't quite strong enough to put them all out completely. But at least we put them to tribute and put them under service. And that seems to work for a while, but subjugation is not victory. Bringing someone under, so to speak, and I'm over, is not what the Lord has in mind. It seemed to work for a while, but guess what? It was doomed from the very start. That would never work. God said that'll never work. But they're going to give it a try. They should have gone to the Lord for more strength. He sent hornets before some of these enemies. I mean, you ever been chased by a hornet? Okay, swarms of hornets chasing the enemies out. And, and chase them out of the land or chase them out in the open where they could be easily defeated, maybe out of their hiding places. And he says, I'll do it. I'll do that. Just don't trust me and obey me. Don't <laughs> compromise with them. You've got to do what I'm telling you. And well, maybe they fought and they lost. Maybe they'd come back and, and pray and seek God. You know what I'm saying? But I promise you those enemies could have been fully driven out because he said they could. He said he would drive them out. But subjugation and putting them to tribute is not the same as this 
ultimate victory that the Lord desired for them to have. Anything else would lead ultimately to their defeat. And we could just read about the sad history of Israel over and over and over. Just read it. Read through the, the Exodus and, and then start reading into Judges, for example. One enemy after the other. Bringing them under bondage. God lets them bring them under bondage because they let them stay. And pretty soon they're worshiping the same idols as, as the Canaanites around them over and over and over. It didn't work. Okay? And same thing happens for us, y'all. You put something, I said, you sweep it under the rug. You've got it, what you think is under control, a sin in your life, a fear, a worry, a, a pornography, whatever it may be, you've put it down. And you've got it at what you would think is a manageable level. It's, it's not at a manageable level. It's not right now. No matter how well you think you're doing. Because that is not under the authority of Christ. It can be. And he's, our enemy is going to raise his ugly head at some point. You understand what I'm saying? He's going to raise up, rise up his ugly head. And he's not playing a game. He wants to destroy your testimony. And because we left him a place in our nature, in our lives, he will take it. And he'll take that place and more because we left it to him. And we will be brought into bondage. I'm not saying, and please, this is very important. I'm about to close. I'm not saying that we're no longer saved if this was the case. When I say brought under bondage, I'm not saying that we no longer belong to the Lord and we're not going to heaven. I am saying if we allow some sin in our lives and don't deal with it just the way the Bible says to deal with it, through repentance, confession, if you need to fast and pray, if you need to you know, bring it under the blood of Jesus, if you need to a thousand times a day, you know what I mean, turn from it, uh, make no provision for the flesh like it says in Romans 13, whatever measures you need to take, we need to take it. But if you're not doing that and you're allowing it to stay in your life, a compromise with the world, with sin, it will bring you under bondage. You will be ensnared by a sin or sins and it will be a horrible bondage that we never had to be overcome by. It can still bring us into bondage. It doesn't mean that we're no longer a child of God. It means we're wrestling for a time of our life, maybe a long period of our life. Maybe it costs us a lot. Maybe it costs us our marriage. Maybe it costs us our testimony for the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? It can cost a lot and we still belong to Jesus. So when I'm talking about being brought under bondage for a believer, uh, he absolutely, Satan will take anything we give him. And if you and I let it stay in our lives, it's not going to behave itself. He's not going to behave. When he thinks it's time, he'll raise up his ugly head and he'll... he'll manifest himself in some way and that thing will bite us. Okay? It will bite us and it will say, what in the world? I was teaching Sunday school yesterday, praying in the Holy Ghost, and now I look, look where I am. And it can happen that fast. Don't think that it can. We don't live in fear of that. I'm saying when God shows us something, deal with it. Bring everything into authority, under authority of Christ. And so... Uh, the Bible says, for, for of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought into bondage. Okay, for of whom a man is overcome, 
the same as he brought into bondage. So I'm going to be closing with this thought. Our Lord is certainly stronger than our enemy. I don't want to give too much glory and credit to our enemy. But this is why he's telling us to be so careful and diligent to obey Christ, to obey the word of God. I and myself am not stronger than my enemy. My self-will and uh, discipline to not sin and my own strength is not greater than Satan and all of his tactics. It's spiritual. The Lord's greater. That's why he's saying you've got to be so careful to do what I tell you to do. I'm going to give you the strength to do it as well. But we can't say, here's what God says. Again, here's what I say. I'm going to find some kind of happy medium. There's no place for compromise. Be diligent to obey the Lord. And, and whatever enemy we have, whatever hidden sin, it needs to be put out. God will help us. I promise you, He'll help us. He'll show us where the enemy lies, what his little tricks are. He'll show us. He'll show us what we need to do. And he will actually drive out the enemy. It will be the Lord. When he says, submit yourselves therefore to who? God. All subju uh, subjection to the Lord. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. How? In the power of his might. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. It's the Lord who rebukes you, Satan. And, and we can say that. We can profess that with our mouth. Satan, the Lord rebukes you from my life. I'm aware of what you're doing. I've let this stay in my life way too long. I'm not giving you that place. I don't feel like Superman today. I don't feel extra spiritual or extra strong. But by faith, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. I'm submitting myself to God. I'm submitting this area of my life that has been not under submission to the Lord for so long, I'm submitting it to God. And Satan, you have to flee. And we're going to trust the Lord for that. Amen? If every area of our life is not brought, brought under subjection, again, that, that what we've allowed to stay in that little corner, it's going, to, it's going to raise its head. And we don't, God doesn't want that to happen to us. Amen? Don't listen to your own counselor or own advice, by the way. Listen to the Lord. And what he says, I'm closing with this. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. So there's a spiritual warfare going on that if I give into it, it doesn't just say, well, I did it that one time or I did it that five times. I know it's a sin, but there were no real consequences from it. I did it. I committed. I'm still a child of God. But it does. They're warring <coughs> fleshly lust that we allow in our lives are warring against our soul. It's going to have some effect. It's bringing blows against us. You know what I mean? It's weakening us. It's setting us up for something bigger, a bigger fall. And God doesn't want that at all. I'm closing with this. D, you can come on. But I'm talking about, and I'm closed with three scriptures. I'm just going to read them. These altars are open. But I thought about Joshua and Caleb. When, when the 12 spies went in, 10 came back, they were scared. The giants are too big. We can't take the land. God's mean to us. He brought us out here to kill us. Uh, they want to kill Moses. <clears throat> it says, but Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Think about your own, anything in your own life, okay? Compromise, friendships. How do I stand up and take a stand for God 
They're my best friend, and I know they don't know Jesus, but however that, whatever it is in your life, God will give you the strength. Joshua said the same thing. If the Lord delight in us, and He does, by the way, then He will bring us into the land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Amen? Fear them not. And then the last scripture, that's speaking of Old Testament things, but thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. He gives us the victory. Christ always causes us to triumph. Always. Always. And He's here this morning. And God loves you very much. He doesn't want you to live with that, that turmoil. He knows because He's God and He's your God how to bless your life. And if there's something in your life, I'm not here to point a finger. I don't need to know. If it's something you feel you need to confess to your pastor or to another person, then, then you do that. Sometimes there's a place for accountability. James talks about it, and it can be wise to do that. But my point is, lay it before the Lord. No one's judging another person. Just any area of your life where there's compromise, a measure of compromise or sin. Satan has got a place in you and in me. And he wants to pull us down. Might be a year from now. Might be tomorrow. I don't know. But he wants to. And he's looking for it. And Satan has the remedy. I mean, the Lord has the remedy for that. He's with us. He's well able to give us the land. They're, the enemy is bred for us. There's nothing. God is going to put him out. So I just want to encourage you to don't leave here. Maybe even through the day as God leads you to just pray over this. Whatever God's shown you. And trust God. Don't go into Him with despair as though it's not going to work. Go to the Lord by faith. Saying, Lord, You said Your Word. You always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we come before You in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we do love You this morning. God, I want to start by my own confession that You would forgive me of compromise in my life. There's things I used to compromise that I don't anymore. I thank You for that. There's things in my life that I still may compromise. There might be sins that I don't think are that bad that I've pushed to the side and I never really truly repent of them and ask, I never really come to you to be rid of them. And I pray that you would forgive me for that presumption and that disobedience. I thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that is sufficient take all sin, besetting sin, immorality kind of sin, every kind of sin, numerous sins, few sins, the blood of Jesus is sufficient. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so Lord, we just come before You. We ask not only for the strength to confess our sin to be forgiven, but we ask for the deliverance in our own personal lives from this sin and from the areas of compromise in our life. We know that You're able. Forgive us when we've given place to the devil. Jesus, he has no, Satan has no place in Your life. We pray that You would increase in our lives. We, come, we bring ourselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we bring our lives 
under the authority of Jesus Christ right now. We ask, God, that you would take over every area. Thank God we'll walk in the, the promised land. We'll walk in the fullness of this blessed life. Doesn't mean we'll never have troubles, but we won't have that trouble of compromise, God. I pray you bless your people. Give us faith, Lord, to believe you, Lord, in Jesus' name.